Good morning, downtown family. I'm so thankful to have, once again have the opportunity to preach the word of God to you this morning. Uh, let us pray before we begin. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to preach your word, Lord. I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray that you would be glorified in this message, Lord. And I pray that you would bless your people through the preaching of your word this morning. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. One of my favorite people in the world right now is a man named Brian Stevenson. Now, Brian is a Harvard-educated civil rights attorney who wrote a well-known book called Just Mercy. This book was turned into a film starring Jamie Foxx and Michael B. Jordan. I watched the movie and read the book, which both tell the story of Brian starting an organization called the Equal Justice Initiative. Stevenson started this organization to provide legal representation for the economically poor and disenfranchised because he saw that economically disadvantaged Americans, many black, were hurt by the systemic injustice in our criminal justice system. Now, after graduating from Harvard Law, Brian could have gone off to a private law firm and made a lot of money, which is what his family wanted him to do. But he saw that our criminal justice system often works poorly for those without economic resources. So he started an organization to provide high quality legal representation for the economically poor. And he started his organization to correct some of the injustices in the system that we have in our criminal justice system right now. I appreciate Brian so much because he is truly caring for the poor and marginalized among us and his work is so needed because we live in a materialistic society where the economically poor are often forgotten or overlooked especially when they belong to historically marginalized racial and ethnic groups like Native Americans and African Americans. The United States is one of the most affluent societies in the world, but it also has the highest inequality out of the affluent countries in the world. Those with little economic resources in the U.S. tend to receive less access to quality health care, good education, economic opportunities, high quality food, and strong legal representation. These inequalities in our system have become even more exposed during this pandemic with COVID-19 and healthcare, employment, and public education. In this season, it has become clear that our society must do a better job of caring for the most vulnerable and marginalized. Thus, it is not a coincidence that I am preaching the parable of Lazarus and the rich man to you this morning. Because in our text this morning, we are going to see that Jesus calls us to care for the economically poor and marginalized. See, Jesus calls his followers to actively care for those economically disadvantaged around them. This is the main truth we will see in our parable this morning. Now, beyond this truth, we are going to see three things that Jesus is seeking to teach us through the parable. And first, we're going to see that Jesus is seeking to teach us that God helps those in economic poverty. 
In our parable, Jesus makes it clear that God cares for and helps those who are economically disadvantaged. In order to see this, let's look back at our passage this morning in Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19. Again, Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19. This passage reads, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. Now this parable begins by introducing a rich man. This text tells us the rich man wore expensive clothing like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, or Ralph Lauren. He was well-dressed. So if you saw him, you would have known right away that he had economic resources. On top of that, this rich man had a daily feast. Every day, he had servants who served him fine food. And due to his lavish lifestyle, he didn't even allow his servants or himself to observe the Sabbath because he felt the need to, to indulge in a feast every day of the week. Now, after the rich man is introduced, we meet another man named Lazarus. And Lazarus is the only person in any of Jesus's parables who has a name. Let me say that again. Lazarus is the only person in any of Jesus's parables that's given a name. And in the original language of our text, this name Lazarus means the one who God helps. Now in verse 20 of our text, we see that Lazarus was carried to the gate of the rich man in the morning, probably by a family or friend. And then we see in the text that Lazarus is poor. Then the text tells us he was covered in sores. And in verse 21, we are told that Lazarus went to the gate of the rich man because he desired food from the rich man's table. And in the original language, the verb translated desired in verse 21 is used when someone wants something that they don't actually get. See, Lazarus wanted food from the rich man's table, but he was given nothing. But the text tells us that the dogs licked Lazarus' sores. Ironically, the dogs cared more about Lazarus than the rich man. And it seems like Lazarus has the wrong name in our text because it doesn't seem like God is helping him much. But after Lazarus died, he is carried by an angel to Abraham's side. And in the Bible, Abraham is the man who God made a covenant with and who God counted as righteous due to his faith in him. From this truth, we can gather that Lazarus was taken to heaven. Later, we see that the rich man dies, and after his death, he is taken to Hades or hell, a place of torment. 
Now this would have been confusing to the original audience because Lazarus would have been viewed as cursed in the Middle Eastern culture and the rich man would have been viewed as the one who had God's blessing. But our text shows us that God identified with this economically poor and disadvantaged man named Lazarus. Despite his poverty, God cared for and helped Lazarus. He did not ignore Lazarus like the rich man. He was not indifferent to his situation like the affluent man in our text. See, Jesus is showing us in this parable that God identifies with and helps those who are disabled and economically disadvantaged. And you know what, downtown family? We as God's people should also help the economically poor. We should not be indifferent to the poor like the rich man in our text. We should help those who are poor and marginalized in our society. We should help the parent that doesn't know how they're going to provide childcare for their children because schools are not starting back in person in the fall. We should help the people in communities plagued by violence largely due to a lack of economic and educational opportunity. We should help the undocumented person brought to this country as a child that doesn't know how they're going to flourish if there's no pathway to citizenship created. We should help the people who have lost employment during this pandemic that don't know how they're going to pay their bills. We should help the pregnant mother that thinks the only option is to abort her child. This text shows us that God helps the poor and identifies with them. So we, as God's people, should do the same on both the individual and systemic level. Amen. Now, I'm, cur- I'm encouraged by many of you downtown because I know you have been helping the economically poor through your work with Care Portal during this difficult economic season for many people in our city. I encourage you to continue that work and consider how the church can play even a broader role in changing systems that disadvantage and harm people here in Kansas City. Because our text shows us that God helps the poor and we should too. Now, as we move back to our text, we see that Jesus isn't only seeking to teach that God helps and identifies with the economically poor. Jesus is also seeking to teach us through this parable that God judges those who ignore the poor. In this parable, Jesus shows us that the rich man is judged for ignoring the plight of Lazarus. Let's look back at our passage in Luke 16, starting in verse 24. Luke 16, starting in verse 24. This passage reads, And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. Now in verse 24, the rich man speaks for the first time. And he cries out to the Jewish patriarch Abraham in heaven. 
because he is in anguish in Hades in hell. He is tormented. He asked Abraham to send Lazarus to bring him some water. The rich man doesn't apologize for ignoring Lazarus all those years while they were alive, but he expects Lazarus to serve him in the afterlife. Abraham does not fulfill this request for the rich man, even though he was a fellow Jew. Instead, he reminds the rich man that he received good things while he was alive and that Lazarus received bad things during his life. So now Lazarus is comforted and he is in anguish. So now Lazarus is comforted and he is the one in anguish. There has been a reversal of their fortunes in the afterlife. Then Abraham lets the rich man know it is impossible for Lazarus to come to him in Hades to offer him a drink or for him to come there with Lazarus. And through these events, we see that the rich man is being judged for his indifference to the poor. Now, the rich man is not condemned because he is rich. The text makes it clear that he passively received his wealth, which shows that it ultimately came from God, but he is judged because he did not use the wealth given to him to help people like Lazarus. He ignored him and didn't give him any food from his table, even though he had plenty. Through this reversal in the circumstances of the rich man and Lazarus, Jesus is showing us that he will judge those who ignore those who are economically poor. Many times, powerful people in our society can get away with exploiting those on the margins. And it often seems like they will never be held accountable for their actions. But Jesus makes it clear that those who ignore the poor will be judged. Thus, we should be concerned for the poor and disadvantaged in our midst. We should care about the homeless, the incarcerated, the disabled, and the undocumented. We should care about the brown children at our southern gates. We should care about the children in our foster care system. We should care about the economically vulnerable among us because it is ultimately a sin to be indifferent or callous toward the economically poor. This is why God judges those who overlook the poor. Amen? Now, as we move back to our text, we see that Jesus doesn't only teach us that God cares for the poor and will judge those who ignore the poor. At the end of this parable, Jesus teaches us that God's word should be enough for us to help the poor. Let's look back at Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 27. Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 27. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. 
after the rich man learns that Lazarus cannot come give him a drink of water to soothe him in his anguish in hell. He asked Abraham to send Lazarus back from the dead because he has five brothers and he doesn't want them to end up in the same place of torment as him. And he believes that if his brothers encounter someone from the dead, they will listen to their words. But Abraham basically says that his brothers should listen to God's word communicated through Moses and the prophets. Then he says that if they don't listen to God's word in the Bible, that they won't listen to someone who was raised from the dead. And through this ending, Jesus is basically communicating the truth that God's word in the Bible should be enough for us to care for the economically poor and marginalized. Do you know there are over 2,000 verses in our Bible about poverty and justice? Throughout our entire Bible, God makes it clear that we should care for the poor and the marginalized, for the widow, for the fatherless, for the alien among us, for the disabled. And I think this is so important, y'all, because we see in our, in our society right now, we see a lot of protests going on. We see a lot of just drama in our society right now with this pandemic, just we see all this brokenness around us. And it's so important for the church to provide a counter witness, to be a light in the darkness. And we are that light when we care for the most vulnerable among us. When we care for the people that are discarded in society, whether because of their economic status or race or because of their gender or their, whatever they, their background, because of their uh, citizenship status, when, when, we, when we care for those people that are discarded or, or extra vulnerable because of the systems in our society, we reflect God's heart. Now, I don't want you to hear me wrong this morning. Through this parable, Jesus calls us to care for the economically poor and marginalized, but we are not saved from our sin and hell by caring for the poor. Yet our care for the poor points to the reality that we have been saved by faith in Jesus Christ because we are all spiritually poor. We were all spiritually poor. And see, our spiritual bank account had insufficient funds to purchase us a ticket through the gates of heaven. But 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, that you by his poverty might become rich. When we, are, we were all spiritually bankrupt due to our sin and rebellion against God, Jesus entered into our poverty by taking on flesh and living the perfect life we could never live. Then he died for our sins at the cross. He died for our self-indulgence, our greed, and our indifference to the poor and marginalized. And he resurrected from the dead, conquering Satan's sin and death in order to transfer the wealth of his righteousness to us so that we could be acceptable before God by faith in him. Now we have a restored relationship with God and we are reconciled with each other. And we will spend eternity with him in a new heaven and earth in light of the generosity of God shown to us in the gospel. We should be compelled by the spirit to care for the poor and disadvantaged. 
We should let the gospel of Jesus be our fuel for following Jesus' command to care for the economically poor and disadvantaged among us. Amen? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness toward us, Lord. We thank you for the fact that when we were spiritually poor, when we were destitute, Lord, that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be renewed and have restored fellowship with you and one another as a community of people, Lord. And I pray that as your called out community, Lord, that we will reflect your heart for the most vulnerable among us, especially during this time when there's so much division in our society, when there's so much financial struggles because of everything that's going on with this pandemic. Lord, I just pray that you would empower us by your spirit to be the church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now we are reminded of the truth that God cares for the poor every week through the communion table. So if you are a follower of Jesus, have communion elements, and would like to participate in the Lord's Supper, now would be a great time to do so. More information is located below on what, why, and how of the Lord's Supper. If you need additional time, please feel free to pause the service. Hear now the word passed down to us. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. In the same way he took the cup saying, this is my blood poured out for you, poured out for the forgiveness of all our sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Whenever you are ready, take and eat.